Vantil. No, no. Vantil Freedach. Fossian Freedach. <laughs> Vantil Friday. Vantilian Friday. Um, philosophy Friday. Stay with us. Footsack Friday. <laughs> Flossy Friday. Flossy Friday. <laughs> Vantillion Freedag. No, you know, I was thinking we could actually restructure this whole podcast if we just went Afrikaans. Yeah. It could be uh, Dogmatic Donderdag. Hey. That's the same thing, though. Theology says. Vantil Woensdag. <laughs> Woensdag. <laughs> Woensdag. Wednesday. Oh, boy. We're losing our Wodensday. Wodensday. Yeah. All right. Speaking of Woden's Day, mm-hmm. we're talking about evolution. Yep, yep, yep. Um, something light, something fluffy. Yep. Just on your way home, you're listening to this. It's Friday, guys. Are we excited? <laughs> I really am never excited about Friday because actually that's work day. That's like super stress prep day for me. Isn't it? Yeah, it is. You're, you're all done by that point. Well, like mid-afternoon Friday, crash landing my sermon, no no conclusions. Oh, yeah. And just rushing home in forgetfulness. <laughs> with an ignorant bliss over my head it's so amazing uh, <laughs> can't believe you did that but um not me not me but friday's when the weight settles yeah. sweating saturday <laughs> <laughs> oh boy um so philosophy friday yeah. uh we we're uh if you did you might be helped by just going back a back a notch and checking out the previous Friday where we started thinking about big bangs yeah. and things like that. Um, but we hinted at what we're talking about now, which is um, just a, along this apologetic series, looking at a few different issues and uh, trying to map out the basics yep. uh, or at least get them. Uh, I realize Nick's going through all of that with his church. We're probably lightening that a little bit and discussing it more. Yeah. But um, let's keep going. We've got, um, evolution that we yeah. think so about. yeah we're looking at issues that relate to science and so we looked at where does the universe come from now we're looking at the question where does life come from? it's one of the big questions mm-hmm. it must be looked at of course and um i mean if we were in a muslim country we wouldn't be talking about evolution mm-hmm. this is a western secular western problem mm. all right and so the most common answer to the question where does life come from in a western context is evolution and uh, basically, we uh, ended our Big Bang cosmology with a primordial soup. And yeah. that's where we need to pick it up today. Smooth so, sailing. life evolved from a primordial soup. Right. So, are you going to tell us another story? Uh, not quite as long okay. and lovely a right. story as that one, but um, yeah. there are a few steps in the process you need to consider. So, time plus chance equals everything. Mm-hmm. So, through a series of mutational jumps, certain mutations proved uh, advantageous. Then, by the process of natural selection, enter Charles Darwin. Those life forms with these advantageous mutations survive to produce offspring who perpetuate those characteristics. So things like thumbs, eyes, walking upright, no tails, these are the results of the process of evolution and natural selection. So all that we are as human beings today is a collection of previously advantageous mutations, and that's the basic theory of evolution. Mm Mm-hmm. And of course, um, well, to my mind, um, I'm not a theistic evolutionist. I see an opposition to that as the biblical story, mm. that God made Adam and Eve as mature historical figures, 
They were set in a little garden. They literally sinned, bring about consequences, which we are sitting with today. Things like death and difficulty are not part of the natural process of evolution, but a part of the condemnation that resulted from God's judgment through the fall. And so, uh, yeah, I thought maybe today I'd like to give a little window into theistic evolution and why I don't believe it. Mm, good. Okay, so let me let me start with John Stott. I remember, you know, if you had to ask me for one commentary on the book of Romans mm -hmm. that I would recommend that's readable for the layman, mm. I would recommend John Stott's commentary. Let me um, interject that quick. Yeah. Um, just maybe just helpful in terms of um, throwing this around later once you've uh, told us why you don't believe in theistic evolution. Yeah. But, you know, I don't either. And I'll just say that up front. But it, I think probably for different reasons, and this is this maybe just uh, is something that gets interesting, in that I just I know that I suck at science. I know that I'm quite. Let's put it this way: I'm happy to defer to the scientist on on, on most things. Um, I, I if the Bible is gonna if if there's gonna be any conflict, I'm going with Bible, right? And um, yeah. and so that's you know just a fairly standard thing. Um, being a Kleinian framework guy, uh, yeah. it sort of takes right out of that question. I don't really, I don't really care. I don't really, you know, all I care of is a historical atom. So if we can get there and we can figure it out and explain it, that's fine. Um, there are I, the reason I think that's kind of helpful to say is because you know I look at the 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 um, evolution thing, and even as a I'm not a science guy, but I, I just see so many holes in it. I see so many, uh, like, you need to be a man of faith to believe it, you know, <laughs> kind of like what we were talking about last time. So I wouldn't ever feel compelled to go there. Yeah. Um, it's just really a theory, you know. And so um, much of what I imagine you're going to say now is really going to reinforce that. Like, you've got, at, at some you just, it's, what I'm trying to do is just say when people are freaked out about the situation, you can you can you can take a step back and go. Oh well, let me hear it out. What's going on? Um, all right. Well, it sounds like a, like a theory. You know, test the science. See if it fits. See, see if it, it works. fits. And like, okay, well, <clears throat> not many people out there. Even though everyone talks like it's the sure thing, when you get down to it, everyone's pretty willing to admit it's a it's a theory with a lot of theoretical yeah. and theory most parts. most laymen are going on faith, not not facts. That's right. They don't actually know the theories of evolution. So They've just been told that evolution's what removes the Bible from 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 the picture. True that. And, you know, the thing is, just um, I've seen this. I've seen this this be a, a, such a big thing for people. And then they just look at it. And if you just allow a little space for them to just deflate on the issue and check it out without having the pressure upon them, whether they are in or out, and, you know, yeah. it just really helps. So so whether you're coming at it from someone who's a militant six-day guy and whatever, young earth, whatever, or whether you're coming at it from another angle, I think this will be helpful one way or another. So let's uh, – so anyway, it's just as a little bit of a preface yep. to, to what you're saying there. All yeah. right. So let me start with John Stott again. So – in, I was surprised in Romans 5 to find out he was a theistic evolutionist. I didn't know that about him at the time. Mm -hmm. I knew he was an uh, annihilationist. I knew yeah. that he was, um, I suppose, a very, very, very soft complementarian. Yep. Um, <clears throat> but uh, here is a quote from his commentary, uh, commentary on Romans 5. So Romans 5 is talking about the first Adam and the second Adam. So he engages with the whole issue of the historical Adam. Yeah, and this is what yeah. he says. Adam then was a special creation of God. Now, whether God formed him literally from the dust of the ground and then breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, or whether this is the biblical way of saying that he was created out of an already existing hominid. Mm -hmm. The vital truth we cannot surrender is that though our bodies are related to the primates, 
we ourselves and our fundamental identity are related to God. And so in the, in the context of that uh, statement, he says, you know, present Homo sapiens are traced back to Homo habilis, <laughs> and then previous to that Homo erectus, which would be two uh, types of hominids. And these all springing from a common ancestry. Now, just for those who think they know what theistic evolution is about, a common ancestor is not Adam. A common right. ancestor is a hominid down yes. the tree of life. Right. Okay? So mm -hmm. don't think of the common ancestor as equaling Adam. No. Adam is, so if you can imagine a tree, you've got the common ancestor as the trunk, and then mm. there are a bunch of branches that branch off as the primates, all the different types of monkeys, some of which... Uh, 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 become the Homo erectus and from the Homo erectus becomes the Homo habilis and from the Homo habilis becomes the Homo sapien mm -hmm. along one of the di diverging branches mm -hmm. and then at the top of that you get Adam mm -hmm. and then us. Yes. yes. Okay. So, yeah. so what this looks like is that when Adam as an individual is on the earth and God sets up a little garden for Adam, mm -hmm. Adam was not the only hominid on the planet. So scattered right. around the various continents, whatever the earth looked like at that time, um, whether hundreds of thousands or millions of years ago, depending on your theory, Adam was not the only hominid. There mm -hmm. would have been other, other branches of the hominid family tree. Mm -hmm. But God made the hominid Adam mm -hmm. the federal head of all the other hominid families. Mm -hmm. So all hominids that were older than him, mm -hmm. all hominids that were younger than him, and all hominids to ever be born ever again. Mm-hmm would all be bound up in the hominid, the federal head, Adam. Mm -hmm. And um, this is an attempt to marry the biblical with uh, the biblical story with evolution. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah. what do you think of it? Well, I, you see, the thing is, I'm interested, but I don't ever, I don't even come close to feel the need to doing that. Yeah. You know, that seems like such a lot of effort for something that's not very winsome. Look, if the Bible itself sent me in that direction, I feel like, ooh, or... Or, and I'll put this on the table too, if the science was, you know, unanimous and not theoretical on this, then I think it's something we would wisely have to contend with or, or think about. But it's just neither. So I just don't <laughs> care. <laughs> I hear you. you know, now, yeah. to my mind, just to give a, a little response to that, I suppose I would be very concerned if science did go that way because I feel that given my understanding of scripture, it would contradict things that I understand hermeneutically. So. Right. So, depending so on your hermeneutic, let's work with it that, could yeah. really matter. Yeah. So totally. this is where I go with yeah. it. Uh, Matthew nineteen verse four and five. So so here's my dummy, simplistic, mm -hmm. stupid head approach mm -hmm. to why I don't believe in theistic evolution. Yeah. What did Jesus believe? Now I'm I've actually got a much deeper theological nuanced foundation that I'm trying to draw on here, mm. and it goes back to the um, to the human knowledge of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. We know that he did not sin. Right. His human knowledge would have been limited. So yeah. whatever he knew, he would have had revealed to him by revelation. Mm -hmm. And he would have taught things perfectly in whatever mm -hmm. he taught. He said. Yeah. So when he affirms the historical Jonah mm -hmm. or the historical Sodom and Gomorrah mm -hmm. or the historical flood, mm -hmm. we take the understanding of Christ to be a benchmark for Christians. Mm -hmm. Now, did Jesus believe in a flat earth? Ooh. So... Donald McLeod, in his great book, The Person of Christ, would suggest, and this is purely speculation, but mm -hmm. it's a good suggestion, that he would have been kept from such errors, or at least he would mm -hmm. not have spoken on Providentially, them. yeah. But whenever he speaks, mm -hmm. and we have that recorded by mm -hmm. inspiration, mm -hmm. all those things mm -hmm. are definitely true. Mm -hmm. So, 
there's a there's a lot of there's some big questions down there and you actually mm -hmm. have come to make some previous decisions on the on the human knowledge of christ yeah. as it relates to his impeccability his Agreed. sinlessness yeah okay so mm -hmm. so that that's a little bit of the background that's feeding into this this view it's not just my dummy view so yeah. I, I said that sarcastic yeah, yeah 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 so listen to matthew 19 verse 4 and 5 and the key word that stands out for me is the beginning uh-huh okay mm -hmm. so in the context jesus is dealing with the pharisees the pharisees come to him and they ask can a man divorce his wife for any reason mm -hmm. key words mm -hmm. that relate to the teaching of halal not shemai um, in the two uh, rabbinic schools on divorce. And Jesus is answering, and instead of entering into the debate and picking apart which side he leans to, mm. he takes it all the way back to the beginning. Mm -hmm. So it says, 19, verse 4 and 5, he answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and mm. said, Therefore a man shall leave his, fa his father and his mother, hold fast to his wife, and the two shall be, become one flesh. Mm -hmm. So here Christ is using a hermeneutical method which helps establish our ethics. You go back to the beginning, before mm -hmm. the fall, mm -hmm. as God's norm for human life and uh, the pattern of human living. And here he has the words, the beginning. Mm -hmm. He has the words, created. He has the words, made them. Mm -hmm. He has the words, male and female, uh, referring to the original Adam and Eve mm -hmm. as the first uh, human beings at the mm -hmm. beginning who were mm -hmm. created. Mm -hmm. And so all of this destroys, to my mind, John Stott's view of the hominid family tree, mm. of which we are merely one branch, mm -hmm. from which uh, Adam could be a federal head of the various branches. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then all of those branches, apart from the continuing branch of Noah, the flood was destroyed. And here is where I think Christians should confidently rest. Mm. What did Jesus believe about these things? Mm -hmm. Now, Jesus doesn't talk about the age of the earth. He mm -hmm. doesn't talk about um, a lot of things, but he does get pretty specific mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. on the issue of the, the first human beings being Adam and Eve. Yeah. He's, he's quoting directly from Genesis chapter 2. Yeah. And so, to me, that's, to me, that's very clear. It's, this is the, the Holy Spirit-inspired commentary through the Son of God of Genesis chapter 2. Mm. And it's, 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 it's pinning down certain aspects, certain details. Mm. that I can't escape. Right. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, as you said, you know, it it was written down. It, it seems very clear. The only reason you'd, you'd feel the need to go anywhere else is because you were convinced by some sort of scientific method, which, you know, again, not even scientists are, you know? So you yes. just have to be aware of that all Science the time. Science is a house divided against itself. Yeah. So, you know, it like, again, that just came, I keep coming back to that, in that Darwin himself was unsure. And he very, very clearly sort of stated it as a theory. And um, it just sort of has taken a life of its own because it provides man a way out of accountability to God or religion or anything like that. Yeah. And so, you know, like, I just don't operate with those burdens. So, yeah, you read jesus and there it is and yeah. why would you even and, question and it, that it yeah. does come back to one of our earlier talks on miracles you know this is uh, the account that we have in genesis is clearly uh, I'm talking genesis 2 not genesis 1 now mm -hmm. is clearly a miraculous event of a special creation of mm -hmm. one man one woman the man was on his own first he got lonely mm -hmm. and out of a rib whatever that means mm -hmm. god mm -hmm. made a woman mm -hmm. um and the first marriage took place mm -hmm. um we don't need to try and find natural explanations no. for it it's we believe in miracles yeah, we totally. believe in a God of power. Mm -hmm. We believe these things uh, can be true. Mm. So the pressure to hold to evolution um, or some more scientifically viable option, uh, which is felt by many, 
Uh, this would be a big reason why many unbelievers claim they cannot accept what the Bible says. Mm. But um, I think as Christians, you know, we've got certain epistemological things in our foundation. Yeah. We accept the authority of the Word of God. We accept the belief of miracles. We accept that Christ was impeccable. Mm. And especially in these statements of inter- uh, these interpretive statements of the Old Testament. Mm. Mm. So um, that's 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 my angle. But mm-hmm. that's not the only angle that we have. Um, so that's that would be a good uh, presuppositional approach, starting with Scripture, starting yep. with what the Word of God yep. says, contrary yep. to whatever the, the human mind and yep. human understanding can grasp or fathom. But we can also say, hang on, even science shows up some of the problems in evolution. Yeah. And I came across a great, uh, it's, it's a chapter from a book, and the chapter is called The Top Ten Problems with Darwinian Evolution by Casey Luskin. Mm-hmm. I highly recommend it for everyone to read. Okay, cool. And uh, so here are just some of the scientific problems with evolution. Mm-hmm. So I'm not a scientist, so I'll explain the ones I understood. Okay. I don't remember everything that it said, but but here 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 are a few key statements. So the lack of a viable mechanism for producing high levels of complex and specified information. Now that little chap that little point means uh, was a discussion of the likely atmospheric conditions for an early Earth the early conditions around the primordial soup stage. Mm-hmm. So if you replicate that in a laboratory today, mm-hmm. cannot produce light. Mm. There have been some other laboratory tests where they added lightning to a certain mix of chemicals and it produced a lipid or a protein mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm. Um, but given the, the present theories of what the primordial soup, uh, at that time, what the atmosphere would have been made of, put that in a, in a laboratory, doesn't Anything. yield okay. what evolution says it should yield. Yeah. Okay, so the um, everything they assumed would happen did not happen. Yeah. The experiment failed. Right. Um, secondly, the failure of the fossil record to provide support yeah. for Darwinian evolution. No missing links. No. We do have a new cartoon movie that's come out called The Missing Link. <laughs> that's about it, though. That's all we got. <laughs> all right. Then uh, the failure of molecular biology to prove evidence for a grand tree of life. And this this... What this is, is if you go into DNA, it's the inability to prove the common universal an- ancestor mm-hmm. from which we all spring. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, so genetically it doesn't work. Mm. So that's one science, genetics, just proving it. Mm-hmm. Then natural selection itself is an extremely inefficient method of spreading traits in populations, unless a trait has an extremely high selection coefficient. And I encourage you to go read that uh, point for yourself to see what that's all about. <laughs> all right, here's another one. Abrupt appearance of species in the fossil record does not su- support Darwinian evolution. Now, there's the famous problem of the Cambrian explosion. This mm-hmm. is a particular period where advanced life forms came on the scene, mm-hmm. which had no previous uh, simpler life forms to them. Sudden explosion of a manifold, a plethora of uh, complex life forms. Mm. suddenly appearing on the scene in the fossil record. So mm. that just doesn't square with the typical neo-Darwinian mm. uh, evolutionary uh, situation. Mm-hmm. So not only that, the failure of chemistry to explain the origin of the, ge- the genetic code. And if you are uh, interested in a great uh, study, look at information science mm-hmm. and the whole thing of where information is necessary to, you know, for the code in DNA to come up with the complex parts of uh, biological creatures, mm. that information has to come from somewhere, like code in, in a in a mm. computer. Yeah, um, 
Reminds me um, that book, Darwin, Darwin's Black Box. Darwin's Black Box yeah. by Michael Behe. I've got Ooh. something to say about him in a moment. Okay, cool. Um, so then there's also the failure of developmental biology to explain why vertebrate embryos diverge from the beginning of development. You know, there was once a theory that all, you know, you look at pictures of embryos of different species and they look like tadpoles, all of them. Mm -hmm. Aha, you see, there's definitely a similarity here. Right. But as they've dug deeper into the science of that, there's this divergence from the very early on in the beginning of development, which, you know, just mm. it flusters mm. uh, all the theories. Mm. Then there's the failure of neo-Darwinian evolution to explain the, the biological distribution of the many species. Mm -hmm. So you've got different types of monkeys in certain places in the world. And if neo-Darwinianism is true, there's something that doesn't line up there. Mm -hmm. Then uh, the long history of inaccurate predictions inspired by neo-Darwinianism Darwinism regarding vestigial organs or so-called junk DNA. So in other words, your, append your appendix, mm -hmm. so that's some second stomach because you used to be a cow or something, mm -hmm. or your, your, your coccyx because that used to be a tail. Mm -hmm. um, and what's, what's basically happened is every single one of these so-called vestigial organs um, has proven to have mm -hmm. a vital use in right. the human body, wow. um, including the appendix. Yeah. <laughs> Totally. Including your tonsils, including yeah, everything. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> and then this is probably a big one that we could all relate to. Humans show many behavioral and cognitive traits and abilities that offer no apparent survival advantage. In other words, why will we throw ourselves in front of a truck to save someone else? Right. Why do we love music, art? Why are we spiritual? Why do we pray? Why do we have religion? No, why do we ponder the nature of the universe? Mm. What, what's what previous survival yeah. advantage did these things have yeah. that they're a carryover from? Totally. Nonsense. Yeah. There's something ingrained. There's something they're part of who we are. Yeah. They're not just relics of some former evolutionary uh, stage. Totally. So lay back, relax, and wait for people to solve those problems before you get all, all uh, you know, yeah. frenzied about it. And that's just the beginning yeah. of it. Yeah, true, I mean, true there. Yeah. So I mean, no, we spoke about Michael B. here uh, yeah. earlier. Uh, he's not a Christian. No. And he termed a phrase called irreducible complexity. Right. And this was to show how systems like blood clotting or the eye cannot evolve gradually, but have to arrive all at once with all of the parts working or survival will be impossible. Wow. So he was the author of the uh, 1996 blockbuster book, Darwin's Black Box. Mm -hmm. And this challenged classical neo-Darwinian um, the, the explanation of how cell structures, etc., arrive. Mm. Um, I've got a long quote here on um, the flagella, bacterial Ooh. flagella, but I'll leave that for people to go and uh, do some research on. Right. Basically what it is, is um, the flagella, flagellum, flagella I think is the uh, plural, um, some bacteria have a single flagellum located at the end of a rod-shaped cell. Think of that as the, part, the motor on a boat. Mm -hmm. And so it is, it's a complex mechanism. Um, there are different parts that are, are quite similar to, to the modern motor. So uh, this is how one person has explained it. He says, like an electrical motor, the flagellum contains a rod, drive shaft, mm -hmm. a hook, the universal joint, Mm -hmm. L and P rings or bushings and bearings, S and M rings or a rotor, and a C ring and stud or a stator, as well as the, the flagella filament, the propeller. So <laughs> imagine a bacteria evolving just one of those pieces, mm. but not the rest. Yeah. It wouldn't be able to move. Right. And therefore it, it couldn't survive <laughs> to get to where the food is. Right. And so all of these parts have to evolve have to all at once. Yeah. It's irreducibly complex. 
Yeah. And so in order for there to be a mobile mechanism to the bacteria, mm. and there are simpler forms of being mobile. This it's um, The example that he uses has about 40 different proteins uh, mm. that, that are necessary to making up this rotor. Um, yeah. So things are irreducibly complex. Right. So, yeah. I mean, to my mind, those are plenty of reasons why I don't believe mm. that uh, evolution is true. Mm. Um, yeah. So I, th- I think we sh- I can probably stop there. Yeah. And so, again, just no matter where you are on, you know, so I'm not, I just want to get it out of that category of, um, oh, well, I'm a framework guy. I'm a six day, like, you know, just, 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 you know, it doesn't matter where you're coming from. I think the thing here is whether you're trying to, you already believe in evolution or whether you're a Christian that's struggling with, with the, the weight of what the world believes, you know, all of that needs to be just sort of suspended for a little bit as you consider this issue of what just, just, I don't think you have to be scared of it at all. You just look at it for a while. Yeah. Just as uh, someone who might even want to believe it. And you just, you're going to hit a lot of problems and that's okay. Just admit them for for what they are. And I think what that does is it just unwinds the whole tension of the thing. The Christians uh, uh, are just not under the pressure that the world would claim that they're under to believe this thing that they've bought into um now it might be true but that's another thing and it's not there yet and you know yeah like you said earlier that would lead to crazy hermeneutical problems and struggles and look we got to be willing to admit that we could we need to go there if that happens but we're just not even close is the point we're submitting to scripture but scripture doesn't go there it's just not even an issue right so here's something that i mean i remember back in my Bible college days, I had to read Millard Erickson. Mm. Mm. And there was one part I really enjoyed, and that was uh, a portion where he looked at the various theories on how people handle the apparent contradictions in Scripture. Yep. And the one that really stuck out to me, and I think it's relevant for this discussion, was what E.J. Young said. Mm. He said, look, try solve the problems, the apparent contradictions between texts that appear to contradict each other. And in this instance, it appears that science may contradict the Bible. Mm-hmm. And he says, but you have to have this attitude. We're not omniscient. We don't know all things, mm-hmm. and wait and see. Yeah, but yep. there are certain things you can know. Yeah, stand on those things confidently. God yep. has given you His word. His word is true. Yeah, as far as we can understand it, let's stand upon it. Yeah, and where we don't understand, wait and see. Yeah, it's a false. God process. will make these things clear. You don't. Have, you you are not. You do not think that the pressure of you having to be omniscient right now to make a judgment call between science and the Bible is upon you. Yeah. It is not. Yeah, deliver yourself from that burden. It's not even a thing. <laughs> be set yeah. free. Yeah, and you know, that needs to be said because a lot of people just, they, they feel that it's there and it's just, it's an untrue thing. You know, yeah. you just need to be set free at that level. And and a lot of joy can come from that because you know what, then if you're a science geek, read the science, you know, read the science. Yeah. And get there's into, some great stuff inside. Yeah, and read read whatever you want to read. But like, it's just, you don't have to have that thing upon you. It's, it's, it's different to... Um, I, I just, for, for example, I would see doctrinal controversies as far more important because both of them are dealing with a text. Yes. You know, immediately that could have immediate bearing on you because it has some sort of textual Amen. implication. So there, That's jump in and figure it out. Yeah. yeah, totally. But, you know, what we're dealing with here is a theory that, okay, fine, a lot of people have bought into it. Who cares at the end of the day? Um, look at the theory. You know, and um, yeah, d- d- deliver yourself of the burden as you do it. Yeah. Let some joy come Amen. to you while you do it. Um, and yeah, you certainly have enough to go on with the Bible. You know, the, the things that are clear there are, 
are enough to, uh, again, give you that confidence of, of knowing what you need to know, despite the fact that you don't know everything on every point. Amen. Um, yeah. Good. So Philosophy Friday, there's a mouthful of lyrics for you. And uh, <laughs> we'll uh, leave that to you. For, have a good Friday night and uh, chill. Hang out. Hopefully you don't have to work. Some people yeah, have to work. Go date your wife. Go play with your kids. Date your play with your kids, unless you have to work. I remember there was, <laughs> there was, yes, I'm thinking of uh, ambulance guys that some people have to work. Um, I'm thinking of restaurant people. Some people have to work. I was that guy for a long time. Um, and so I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. Hopefully you enjoy your job. But hey, play some two-age sojourner while you work. That'll lighten the load. Unless it'll take, unless it'll detract from your, uh, you know, your work I, I still think it's okay yeah I mean if you're a janitor <laughs> I sometimes think that would be the best I think job. a truck no a truck driver a truck driver yeah you just podcast all day long all day long audible what a dream audible podcast I reckon, I reckon my ears would fall off <laughs> true that you just need some solid headphones like that don't have you know well just no headphones just put it on the radio on the radio true that oh man there we go Whew. Right. Th- over and out <laughs> later